Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. November 8, 2008, December 13, 2012, and October 20th, 2017. All incredibly significant days in my life. Uh, first being the day that I married my wife and became a husband. Second, the day that my little guy was born and I for the first time became a dad. And third, the day that we adopted my daughter and I became a father of two. Man, all incredibly significant days in my life. All days of joy and celebration and fun and excitement but also days that came with great stress, that came with great weight, that came with great pressure, because all of a sudden in life, I was handed more responsibility. No longer did I live the single life to do what I wanted to do, the way I wanted to do it, when I wanted to do it, but now I had a wife, I had a bride that I was called to love and to serve. Not only could I not do what I wanted to do all the time anymore, but now God gave me one kid, and now he gave me a second one to love, to care for, to protect, and to try to figure out how to raise up. Been incredibly significant dates in my life because on those days, in those moments, I was handed a challenge. I was handed a call to become the man of a house. Today we're kicking off a brand new three-week series leading up to Father's Day called just that, called Man of the House, where for the next three weeks we're going to unapologetically and very directly speak into the lives of young men, single men, husbands, dads, and granddads on what does it look like to be a man of the house. If you're a husband or a granddad or maybe even a foster parent or guardian, then you've been given an incredible call and challenge to be the man over the house that you lead. For some of you who are young men, maybe junior high, high school, college age, or single men, man, there's a good chance that one day God might give you the responsibility and the role to be the man over a house. But even now, He causes you to begin to cause you to begin to raise up and to grow into a man who would know and follow Him. And finally, I think we even have probably have some young men maybe here today who've been thrust into the responsibility of being a man of the house, maybe even much too early because your father was not present there for your family. As men, we've been given an incredible challenge to be the man of, over our house. And so today we're going to dive into God's truth, eternal perspective, heaven's call on us to be that man. Now, ladies, I realize you're in the room with us here too today, all right? I see you out there. And I've been told, telling you leading into this series that this series, while it was geared towards men, it was still very much for you. And I didn't lie when I said that. So we're really glad that you're here today. Here's what I know. All right, if you are a wife in the room, if you're a married lady, there's a good chance that you'd love to have a better man of the house. You'd love for your man to be a better man of the house. And maybe you've even told him that, all right? For some of you who are single ladies in the room, chances are you'd love to be married one day. You'd love to have a man over your house leading in your house. And we're glad that you're here too. And for you, you might need to become the best note takers in the room over the next three weeks because I'm going to do my best to lay out God's truth on what does it look like to find a man who loves you and who leads you like God has called you to have. So teenage girls and single ladies, I'm calling you out right now to take notes so that when that guy messages you on Facebook or when he drops you a DM or when he gets your number from a friend just to call to talk, all right, and he starts pursuing you, I'm going to give you some characteristics that he needs to meet. 
And I don't mean six foot four brown hair and blue eyes. That's not what I'm talking about. But we're going to allow some characteristics from God's word that he should meet in your life. And when he messages you or when he goes on that first date with you and he doesn't meet those characteristics, okay, you have my permission to message him back or call him back and say, my pastor said I can do better than you. All right? You tell him that. You tell him that. Ladies, God has not called you to compromise your standards all to have a man in your life. He's called you to have a good man over your house. Now, wives, moms, girlfriends also need to, to lay out some ground rules for you as we get started in this series together, okay? During this series, we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you brought your men with you, okay? But what I do not need from you during this series is I do not need any amens, any that's right, any tell them preacher, any I've been waiting for that. I don't need that, okay? Don't do it. I also don't need any elbows, any of your like stare down glares towards your husband, your boyfriend, your son, okay? I know some of you ladies and some of you could stare a hole right through your man and cause him to weep, all right? Don't do it. Don't do it during this series. You will mess it all up, okay? You'll mess it up. Ladies, here's what I, seriously, here's what I need from you. Man, I want you to be the biggest encouragers, the biggest cheerleaders and supporters for the men in your life. Because they have an incredibly high calling and they need your support. They need your encouragement more than anything else. Now, for all my fellas in the room, i got to lay out a couple of things as we get started too. First, while I'll be standing up here communicating with you during this series, I in no way am a perfect man. I'm not a perfect man. I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect dad. I've got all of those roles in my life and I don't do any of them at the highest level, all right? God's growing me just like he's going to hopefully be growing you over these three weeks together to be the man that God's called us to be. Now, if you've sat under my teaching before, if you know me personally, or maybe it's your first time to the house, I'm just going ahead and letting you know I'm a pretty straight shooter, all right? And during this series, I'm not really changing how I'm going to approach things. We're going pretty straight shoot because here's why. Number one, I know most of my boys like a challenge, right? We like a man up to a challenge. And number two, here's what I know. Our role, our role as men is too important, too significant, and too eternally impacting for us to tiptoe around the truth. So we're going to dive straight in, all right? Let's open up to Genesis chapter 2. If you have a copy of Scripture, Genesis chapter 2, we're going to go index, Genesis 1, Genesis 2. I think all of us can find it, whether you have a hard or digital copy of Scripture. We'd love for you to open up to track along with where we're going to be today. If you don't have a copy of Scripture with you, we'll put some verses on the screen behind me from the NIV version uh, for you to track along. Now guys, our culture has adopted a lot of different thoughts about what a man looks like, all right? Our world would say a real man drives a big truck, or at least a fast car, grows a beard, shoots gun, kills his dinner, watches football, benches 225, has a can of dip in his pocket, and knows just the right time to drop a four-letter word to make him look tough. That's what our culture would say, but here's what I'm here to tell you guys. You can do all of those things and still not be a man. You can also do none of those things and still be a man. Our world has painted many different pictures of not only a man, but also of what a man of the house would look like. And we see a lot of those on the TV screen. Some of these you might be familiar with. How many of you guys remember Andy from the Andy Griffith Show? Anybody remember watching that one? Okay, I'm not going to try to whistle because I can't. All right, just laying my man card on the table right there from the beginning. I can't even whistle. All right, uh, How about this one? Mike Brady on the Brady Bunch. He showed us what it looks like to manage a household full of kids and to do the split family thing coming together. Or what about home improvements? Tim Allen. Anybody remember the tool guy? All right. 
Man's a man right there. He knows how to handle the tools. And then Danny Tanner on Full House. Anybody remember that? All right, all the boys are like, I'm not telling you I watched that. Okay. But like, yep, Danny Tanner on Full House. He, he managed what it looked like to do the single dad thing with all those girls in his house. Or some of you remember Philip Banks on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air who took in a young man and was the father figure to him. Or maybe more recently for some of you, you know Phil Dunphy on Modern Dad. The world has a lot of different ideas about what a man should look like and even more what a man of the house should look like. But scripture is clear that God has given man one distinct calling, one distinct challenge, one distinct rule over his life, and that is the role of a man is to lead. The role of a man is to lead. And I want us to look into scripture In Genesis chapter 2, where God creates the first man, Adam, and then he places him in the Garden of Eden with a distinct calling, and that is to lead. So go with me, Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read quite a few verses together. Start in verse 15, and let's see what Scripture says about what happens. It says, The Lord God took the man, took Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from that one, you will certainly die. Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone, so I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Verse 21. Here's good news, guys. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, and then he closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Now, we'll stop right there. In these verses, we see God's calling, God's design that the man would be the leader. I want you to see some of these things. First, he was called to be the leader over the land. In verse 15, God put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. Next, the man was called to be the leader in obedience. Did you see verses 16 and 17? God says, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God laid a rule and he said, hey, I want you to lead out in obedience, Adam. Then the man was called to be a leader over the livestock. In verse 20, God gave Adam the responsibility to give names to all of the animals. Then finally, in verse 22, the man was called to be the leader of the woman. God made a woman out of the man and brought her to the man. God created the man to be a leader and a ruler over his area of influence. Now, Humanity and the world have distorted the idea of the man's call to rule. Men, the idea of leading and ruling does not mean domination. It does not mean some type of illegitimate control. The world has polluted the calling of the man to lead and rule because of men who have led like dictators. Or because of men who have led out in abusive relationships. God's calling in scripture for the man to lead is for him to lead up under the leadership and the lordship of Jesus in his life. So hear me, husbands, hear me, fellas, okay? This does not mean that your wife, that your girlfriend is not as good as you. It doesn't mean that she's not as capable as you. And ladies, listen to me. This does not mean that as a wife, as a mom, as a woman, that God doesn't have a great calling and purpose on your life because he does. That's not what I'm saying. 
But what I'm saying is that God looked at humanity. He looked at what he had created and he says, I want to have a leader. I want to designate a leader. And he raised up the man, Adam, to become the leader. Men, you have been called to lead. Young men, this means you've been called to be a leader at your school, on, on your sports team, in your social circle. Men, this call means that you've been called to be a leader at your workplace, whether you're the boss or not. Husbands, this is a calling on you to become the leader for the wife that God has blessed you with, to love her and serve her. Fathers, you've been called to be a leader to your children and to the mother of your children. Guys, if you're in a dating relationship, guess who's the leader? You are. Grandfathers, you've been called to be a leader of generations of family behind you. Men, we have a great responsibility, a calling, and a challenge to lead. And the reason that some of you guys maybe got drug into the room today because your wife or your daughter or your girlfriend begged you to be here, begged you to listen to this message, is because they want you to lead. That's it. They might not know how to set it, say it, but that's what they wanted. They want you to lead. And God has given us that responsibility. Now, as men, we have this responsibility to lead, but the chaos and the brokenness and the hurt we have in our world today is a reminder that most men haven't done a very good job leading. And as a result of that, we have this big, what we could call man gap in our world. And we see evidence of this man gap in our world. We see evidence of the man gap when we realize divorce rates are as high as they've ever been. We see evidence of a man gap when we realize 70% of all prisoners come from fatherless homes. 63% of all teen suicides come from homes where the father was abusive or absent. The gap of real men has caused women and girls to feel they have to compromise their purity all to please a shallow man. The man gap leaves single moms to raise households of children while working multiple jobs. The man gap is seen not only in our government, our cities, but even in our churches. I mean, I realize that there are probably some ladies in the room today, maybe even some children who are in the room today, and you carry real scars and real wounds that you remember and carry with you even up to this moment because there was a man who failed to fill the gap and failed to be who God called him to be for you. We have a real man gap in our world. But where, where did this gap start? Where did the gap of men failing to lead, where did it begin? Well, flip over with me one chapter to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 begins to lay out the narrative of what happens next in Scripture after God creates the man and the woman and all of creation. In Genesis 3, start with me in verse 1 and let's read together. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say that you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, in these verses, we read the account in Scripture of what many of you are familiar with and what scholars would call the fall, where the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, God creates them and he puts them in the garden, 
And Satan comes along as a serpent to tempt them against God's one command, his one command up to that point, which was don't eat fruit from that tree. Enjoy the rest of the garden. Just don't touch that one tree. But we read it in verse 6 that Adam and Eve, much like you and me, thought that they knew better than God and they just couldn't hold themselves back and they ate fruit from the tree that God told them not to touch. You know, for a long time I've read this story hundreds of times, heard it, read it, been taught it. But this week something I saw was pointed out to me that I guess I'd never really noticed or understood before. See, for a long time I'd read this story as, as Eve stood there and she was there and was with the serpent and Adam was off doing something else. And she's tempted and she takes the fruit and then all of a sudden Adam comes into the picture uh, maybe a little while later and then he chooses to eat too and then there's the great fall because both of them chose to eat. But this week I had something pointed out. I want you to look. Verse 6 says, Eve ate the fruit and gave some to her husband who was with her. Scripture says Adam was with Eve. And in these verses, guys, I believe we begin to see where the gap was created. I believe we begin to see some insight into where we as men begin to drop the ball, where we begin to fail to lead. I want to point out some truths to us today to help us not fall into those traps. First one is this, men fail to lead by living in silence. Men fail to lead by living in silence. You see, up to this point, Adam had been talking left and right, right? We read it in, in Genesis chapter 2 where he's naming all the animals. A dog, dog, horse, horse, cow, cow, hippo, hippo. You call it Adam. You're the man. You speak it. And God says that's what it's going to be called. And then later in chapter 2, um, Adam actually sings a song when God creates Eve. And he says, whoa, man, all right? And Adam sings a song. I think it was probably Barry Manilow or Brian McKnight. Or one of those, okay? One you like a dream come true. All right, come on now. That's just my opinion. I just think maybe that's what he's saying, all right? But Adam had a lot to say. He had a lot to say. That wasn't until the serpent showed up. And then all of a sudden, Adam grew silent. See, Genesis says that Adam was with Eve. He was there, but he was silent. He was silent as the serpent began to go against God's commands and tell lies that God had not said, and he was silent. He was silent as Eve took the fruit and ate it. And even as Eve took that fruit and handed it to him, Adam remained silent and he ate. See, men, we see that Adam's failure in his leadership is seen in his silence. And the fault of Adam, unfortunately, is still incredibly prevalent in the lives of so many of us as men today. Part of the way that we've been called to lead out, part of the way that you've been called to be a leader, guys, in your marriages, in your families, in your community, in your workplace, and even in our church, is to be men who do not grow silent. We've been called to be men who have a voice of truth, of love, of hope, and of wisdom in the lives of those we have influence over. Young men, listen to me. Lock in right here. Listen, you have a call to use your voice to lead out. That means that when other guys on your ball team in your social circle begin to speak crudely about a young lady that God created, that you use your voice to lead out and redirect that conversation in a God-honoring way. Husbands, that means that you have a call to lead out with your voice. That maybe means when you walk home, get home from work, that you lay down the cell phone, or when you and your wife get in bed at night, you put the cell phone on the nightstand and turn it upside down, and you use your voice and begin to talk to your wife and go, hey, babe, how was your day? How are you? How could I pray for you? 
You begin to use your voice. to lead. Dads, you have a calling to use your voice to lead out, to speak encouragement and truth into the lives of your children for the very few short years that you have them. Men, this means that you become a voice of unity and hope in our community and even in our church family. Men, you have been called to not sit silent, but to use your voice to lead out. Now, ladies, some of you need to realize that sometimes you need to give your man some room to lead out with his voice if you are following what I'm saying, all right? Sometimes ladies can be so opinionated and so vocal that you don't give your man room to lead out with his voice even if he wanted to, okay? So girls, I'm giving you permission today to take a deep breath, all right? Take a deep breath and look at your man and say, baby, what do you think? Baby, what do, what do you think we should do in this situation? All right? Now, guys, listen to me. If your girl does that, okay, if your girl does that, don't look at her and just go, oh, no. Oh, I don't, I don't, it don't matter to me. Okay, don't do that. You might as well just sit silent. That's your opportunity to have a voice of wisdom, of guidance, of input into the situation. Listen to me, fellas. That doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. It just shows you care. It just shows you're locked in. One of the ways that I see this played out in our spiritual family is in our life groups. And I've sat in many a couple's life groups where there'll be men and women all there together. And then everybody's hanging out at the beginning and they're, you know, eating hamburgers and hot dogs and watching the game and talking about the kids and life and work and all that. But then all of a sudden it comes time for conversation about some scripture, conversation about spiritual truth. And all of the ladies are giving some input and talking and all the guys are sitting there like everybody's speaking German. Men, that's an opportunity for you to have a voice to lead out with. Guys, listen to me. You don't have to be a pastor or to go to Bible school to know how to have a voice and just to speak up and encouragement in life group, okay? People in the group, listen to me, guys. People in the group, they want to know what you have to say. They do. You got a voice. Lead out with it. Now, ladies, listen to me again, okay? When your man leads out and he uses that voice in life group, that don't mean that you get in the car and as soon as you get in the car, you shut the door and look at him and go, what in the world was that you said in there? That made no sense. What was that? Okay, don't do that. No, what you do is you look at him and you go, baby, when you shared that in group, oh my goodness, that was the greatest truth shared all night. Man, that was good. I was so proud to be your wife. I'm going to go talk to Pastor Brian about you preaching next Sunday, okay? (laughs) You encourage that man because he's been called to use his voice. Guys, we've been given a voice not to remain silent, but to lead out. To speak wisdom and truth and hope as God gives it to us. Go back to Genesis 3. Pick up verse 7 where we left off. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Now, Adam and Eve break God's command and sin is introduced into the world, which causes them to have shame in their nakedness, so they run and hide. And then in verse 9, God calls out to the man, where are you? Where are you? And here's where I think we see the second part of the gap that we have left as men, and that is this. Men fail to lead by being absent. Men fail to lead when we are absent. Now, Adam and Eve both disobey God's commands and hide, but as God looks for them, notice what happened in verse 9. It said, God called to the man, 
God called to the man, where are you? God did not say, hey, where are both of you guys? Where are y'all? Adam, Eve, where, where are you guys? No, no, no. God called to the man. Why? Because Adam was the God-assigned leader in the relationship. Yes, Eve had responsibility in the moment, but Adam carried more because he was the leader. And so God called out to Adam and he says, Adam, where are you? Or in the South, we would say, Adam, where you at? All right, and how your mama called you, little boy. Son, where are you? Get home, where you at? All right. And today, man, God is looking at you and he's saying, husbands, where you at? Dads, where you at? Sons, where you at? Men, where are you? I have a calling on you. A great and high calling. Where are you? You see, I think our problem today as men can be traced all the way back to Adam's hiding in the garden. Because one of the biggest things that keeps us from filling the gap and leading out is absence by men. For some of you men, it's absence because you walked away from your spouse. And listen to me, guys. If it is at all possible for you to reconcile that relationship, if at all possible, then you lead out in that peace and reconciliation. That means you lead out in asking for forgiveness. Uh huh. That means you lead out in giving forgiveness. That means you lead out in seeking peace and unity and reconciliation, if at all possible. For some of you men, it's absence because you walked away from your kids. Maybe you had them taken from you through divorce. And I realize that makes it difficult because maybe you don't see your kids every day and maybe you don't even see them every week. But what I'm telling you is, is that doesn't give you an excuse to be an absent father. That means you take the moments that God does give you and you make the most of them and you love and you shepherd and you point those kids' hearts towards Jesus every chance that you get. For some of you men, you're absent because of an addiction that keeps you from being fully present, maybe in a household that you still live in right now. Listen to me, fellas. Are you really going to trade the blessing, fellas? Are you really going to trade the blessing of loving and leading your spouse and the kids that God's blessed you with for a very temporary higher buzz? If that's you and that's your struggle, listen to me. Listen to me. It's time for you to man up, for you to admit that you have a weakness. It's okay for you to get some help now and then for you to surround yourself with some other Christ-following brothers to hold yourself accountable. And you know what you're probably going to find out in the midst of that? You ain't the only one battling it. That's why we have a big family that walks together. Other men are absent because your job causes you to be gone for long hours or maybe extended periods of times or days or weeks. Man, I know this is a tough one, right? Because you've been given a calling to provide for your family. That's part of the calling on your life. That's a God-honoring thing to do to provide for your family. So listen to me. I'm not telling you to quit your job, but I'm just telling you you need to make the most of every single opportunity that you have with your wife or you have with your kids. A few months back, a very successful businessman in our church family sat down with me and he shared with me that he was passing on a big promotion that he was offered at his work. It was a promotion that meant more pay and more power, but it also meant more traveling. And he told me, he said, Brian, he said, I just, I just don't want to be away from my wife and kids that much. I don't want to be known as an absent husband or as an absent father. Man, part of the, ways that we, part of the way that we lead out is to be present. To be present and to not be absent from those that God's given us call to love, to lead, and to serve. Now go back to Genesis 3 again. Pick up with me in verse 10. 
Adam answered, he says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Now, God finds Adam who is trying to play hide and seek with God. Just a quick pointer, don't do that. He always wins. He always wins. But God finds Adam. Adam realizes that he's naked, which allows God to know what he already knew, that Adam had broken his command. And so Adam asked him, why did you eat the fruit? And did you notice what Adam says? Verse 12, it was great. The woman made me do it. It was her fault, right? Classic man move. Duck, cover, and blame. You see, it's in this moment that we see this last gap, I think, that is caused by our failures, men, and that's this. Men fail to lead by dismissing responsibility. Men fail to lead by dismissing responsibility. Men, part of being the leader, that's who God's called you to be, to be the leader. Part of that is realizing that you're not only responsible for yourself, but you're responsible for all of those that you lead. In your marriage, in your family, in your workplace, in your social circles, you have been given a calling to you've been given a calling to be the leader which holds you responsible over them. Young men and students, that means that you carry a level of responsibility while you still live at your parents' house. You carry responsibility to honor and to respect your parents. This means not only do you need to obey the rules and the authority and the guidelines that they set out to protect you and to love you. But it also means it wouldn't hurt to turn off the video game every once in a while and to lock into some of the things that got to be done around the house. You've been called to hold responsibility. Husbands, you carry responsibility with your wife to love her, to value her, to understand her emotions, and to serve her in your marriage. And I know some of you guys are going, I ain't never going to happen. I can't ever understand her. You may not fully, but you can sure try. Husbands, this might mean that you have to give up a hunting trip, a round of golf, or a ball game every once in a while to spend some time with your wife, to speak her love language, to let her know that she's still special, that you still value her and love her just like the day that you said I do. Dads, you carry responsibility with your kids. And this means not only being the chauffeur to get them to appointments and ball games and practices, but it also means helping discipline your kids. It also means helping disciple your kids. It also means caring about the future of your kids and not just making that a mama job. Men, you have a responsibility within our church family. Listen to me. You have a responsibility within our church family. This means you don't just slide in each Sunday to attend and to check the religious box and to consume whatever it is that we're going to offer for that day. But it means you have a responsibility. Men, husbands, boyfriends, dads, you have a responsibility with your wife, with your girlfriend, with the kids that are in your family, to lead out in being here, in serving, in giving, in modeling Jesus for other people inside of the church family. That's not a mama job. That's your job. We have a responsibility to lead out. And in the garden, Adam denied his responsibility and he blamed Eve. And as a result, it led to great consequences. Great consequences. Later in Genesis 3, God announced that now childbearing would carry great pain for women. God announced that now the work that Adam did as he was the leader over the land would now be difficult and burdensome and hard. It carried great responsibility all the way down to sending present in our world today. 
When men deny their responsibility, it always carries consequences. And it's the same way for us today, men. When we fail to own the role that God has given us to be the godly leader and to be the man of the house, we're going to have great consequences. The reason that children are living in struggle and confusion today, the reason there's so many families that have brokenness and turmoil, the reason that churches lack leaders and unity, the reason that our nation is struggling to find unity and direction and strength is because men sat silent. Because men were not present, but they were absent. It's because men denied their responsibility to take the God-given role to be a leader. And fellas, listen to me today. The goal is not to beat you up and send you out of here feeling worthless. But the goal today is to lay out the facts to help us see our God-given role, but to help us see the consequences that come when we don't lead out in our workplaces, in our families, in our marriages, and in our church. But listen to me. Here's the truth, guys. Here's the truth. We can't do it on our own. You can't. I can't. I don't care how big a boy you are, how much you can bench press, how much life experience you got, how high you are up in your company, how much money's in your bank account, how big your truck is. We can't do it on our own. And history, history proves that to be true. We laid out the facts and the statistics just a while ago. We haven't done a great job of leading out, but I want you to see this truth. Look with me at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, here it is, so that they may rule, so that they may lead over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Scripture says from the very beginning, from page one, God created us in his image so that we would lead in his strength, in his way, according to his plan. In other words, the only way to be a godly man, the only way to be a great leader The only way to be a man of the house is to continually be shaped into the image of God. Or we could say it this way, guys. The only way to be a great leader of the house is to first become a great follower of Jesus. The only way to be a great leader of the house is to first become a great follower of Jesus. Guys, in our own strength, we cannot lead We are insufficient, whether we want to admit it or not. But the only way that a man becomes a great leader is to first become a follower of the one who created us to lead in the first place. And Paul would say it this way in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I want you to realize, guys, that the head of every man is Christ, should be Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. A real man of the house first finds his identity in being a follower of of Jesus. This past week, my family and I took a vacation up to the mountains. Last Monday morning, we all loaded up in the SUV, my wife and my son and my daughter and even my sister was with us. And then I loaded up in the driver's seat to take on the eight plus hour challenge into the mountains. 
And as we were a couple of hours down the road, cruising down the interstate, I kind of looked back at the back of the car in the rearview mirror, and some people were knocked out of sleep, and some people were locked into their devices. It was true family time. And as I'm driving the car, I look back there, and I realize, like, just in that moment, I just kind of had a light bulb moment of, like, man, the, the family is trusting me to be the leader right now. Like, they are trusting me to be the leader of this car to lead them to the destination that we are headed a long way from here and to do it safely. Now, truth is, one wrong turn and one mishap could have caused a lot of chaos and and just thrown everything out of whack. And just full honesty with you today, like, I did not know on my own how to get all the way to the destination. Like, I I didn't. They dubbed me the driver, but I didn't know how to get all, I didn't know all the turns and all the directions and this interstate connection. I didn't know all that in my own mind. In other words, I was incapable on my own of fully getting us to the destination. So I did what most of you did. And I pulled out my phone and I punched in that address, right, the GPS. And I plugged that thing in so the battery wouldn't die, okay. And then I laid it in my lap and I allowed that GPS to give me directions, the turns and all the interstate changes to get us to the destination where we were headed. You see, the issue, guys, the issue was not in my ability to operate the car. I could get the car down the road, but the issue is in my ability and my willingness to follow the directions. You see, for me to be a great leader of my family, for me to be a great driver of the car at that moment was not about my ability to drive, but it was about my willingness to be a great follower. And men, you have been given a call, responsibility, a challenge. You and I have been given a challenge to be a leader, to be a man of the house. But the only way, the only way that you and I will ever, ever be the man that God has called us to be, to be the leader that God has called us to be, is to first become a really great follower of the one who created you, who loves you, and who called you to lead in the first place. Can I pray for us? Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about the exchange, or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.